All right, we are back with another edition of Kofo Live and Undead, and I, uh, I'm your host, Daniel Crozier. Ugh. So sorry that you guys are all stuck with me. Um, I am here with an amazing talent, the fabulous Nick Mason, the Living Dead drummer. How are you, Nick? I'm doing great, actually. I'm I'm doing really really good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty stellar. Uh, it's fantastic to be able to talk to you. You're in LA right now. How's LA treating you? Uh, LA is good. LA, aside from obvious things going on, um, you know, things beyond our control, uh, LA is good. So nice. the weather's nice. It's like 80 something degrees out this morning. So I can't really, this morning, afternoon, whatever time it is. So I can't really, can't complain too much. <laughs> Does LA really need like weathermen anyway? It's, it's always sunny, you know? It typically is. And I'm fine with that. We had a, we had a pretty rainy winter this year, which wasn't too bad. But, yeah, we don't really need weather guys. They're just going to be like, it's hot. Just, right. it's hot today. Wear sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably pretty good. So, so, Nick, you know, normally what I ask everybody is, uh, you know, first out of the gate is, of course, who are you? You know, where do you come from? And how did you, be, you get the, the moniker, the Living Dead Drummer? Uh, well, um, I come, well, I guess I come from LA now. I've been here, you know, for the last decade, but, uh, I grew up actually in Western New York in, uh, um, in the suburbs of Buffalo. Cool. Uh, so I, I lived there and grew up there kind of thing and, uh, eventually made my way out West and, and been living here for the last, uh, uh, 10 or so years, 10, almost 11 years at this point. Hmm. Uh, and from the, from the title, I'm a drummer, obviously. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I do for a living is I play the drums, which I'm very fortunate to be one of the few that gets to do that for a living. Um, and the, the whole living dead drummer thing, uh, came actually from a, a gig that I did a few years ago where uh, it was an event at the, the NAM show, uh, the annual NAM show in cool. January. And uh, I think it was like four years ago, maybe, um, the, the Coffin Case Company. They make mm -hmm. coffin shaped okay. guitar cases and stuff around. They've been around forever. They, it was their 20th anniversary. And I got a phone call about a month beforehand uh, from the, the owner of the company and said, Hey, we're going to do a big 20th anniversary thing at the NAMM show this year. And I want you to be a part of it. And that, I said, that's great, but cool. you make coffin shaped guitar cases and I'm a drummer. So yeah. what, do I, what am I going to do? And he's like, I don't know. We'll figure it out together. So, uh, you know, over the course of a month of planning and stuff like that, we figured out a game plan to have me involved with it. And, uh, it, the end result was myself and another friend of mine uh, playing drums on stage at, at this big event that had um, some really huge acts playing. John Five, uh, his solo act was headlining. Often Case always does an annual fashion show uh, every year. And then there was other bands playing. LA Guns was playing, Bisto Blanco was playing. Um, 
some other people and stuff like that too. And so for the fashion show portion, um, my drums were set up on one side of the stage. My buddy had his drums set up on the other side of the stage and we were all done up in like corpse paint. Oh, and cool. like, you know, they, they said they wanted it to look like we had just crawled out of a grave and crawled to our drum sets kind of thing. And nice. the, during the fashion show, the, the runway models are walking out basically to like metal. And, uh, you know, they're, they're doing catwalk stuff to, you know, Black Sabbath and nice. Pantera and stuff, you know what I mean? That's, that's a nice change of pace for a yeah. fashion show. <laughs> it was cool. And, um, and so we just kind of played drums to that stuff. So I was on the side of stage playing, you know, drums along to Pantera and stuff like that. Oh, cool. And um, it was from that show that the, the name Living Dead Drummer got tossed around a bit in reference okay. to what we were doing. And I just like the light bulb went off over my head and I was like, um, I'm taking that. That's, nice. that's mine now. And um, I looked it up. I did all my investigation on it. It's never been used. Those three words have never been put together. So I instantly like bought the domain. I uh, registered everything changed all my social media over. I just went to town. I made, I even like downloaded apps just to get the name and then delete the app kind of thing, stuff I don't even use. Mm -hmm. So that way it was, I had my stamp on it and I called dibs on it um, nice. and I could register it to myself and, it, and there would be no dispute kind of thing. And I, I just thought it was such a, a, such a cool name and it's in a perfect marriage of you know, two of my passions, one being drumming, obviously. And the other one is I've always been a big fan of horror movies ever since I was young. Cool. Um, so this was like the perfect marriage of like, I'm a fan of horror yeah. and I'm a drummer and ta-da, here we go, you know. <laughs> nice. That, that's wonderful. Um, you know, when, when you were younger, uh, is, yeah, is that when you got into drumming when you were a kid? Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, yeah. Um, my whole family, on my mom's side of the family, anyway, uh, all of them drummers. All. Oh, no kidding. Um, wow. Yeah. So my mother, her brother, their father, my grandfather, and then a bunch of my cousins. Mm. And like to the point where like everyone in the family who had a kid, one of their kids was a drummer or someone married a drummer or wow. so, you know what I mean? Like all of them drummers. You have your own drum corps. Holy yeah, God. that's they, fantastic. Good. And um, oh, it was, it was cool. So like, I didn't really have much of a say in the matter. Like my uncle gave me a snare drum when I was two mm -hmm. and it was almost like, welcome to the family business. <laughs> nice. So, um, but I didn't really start taking it serious and, and actually start taking lessons and learning how to play until I was about 10. That's when I decided to start actually taking lessons and to learn for real. Mm. Um, and then I just never looked back after that. I started taking lessons at 10 and I just kept it going. And I, and I wow. you know, was able to make a career out of it. And was that initially what brought you out to, to LA, you know, those 10 or 11 years ago? Yeah. Um, I had built up, you know, at least what, what I would consider a fairly decent career to that point. Um, you know, I, when I was in Buffalo, I was earning a living as a drummer, you know, and occasionally I'd have a part-time job on the side or something like that, but it was always something music related. Um, I've only had like one real 
nine to five job in my entire life. And it was only for a couple of years out of college and it was in music industry and involved drums. So, (laughs) you know, so I don't know how much you can even say that was a real job, but, um, I, I was playing full time and teaching lessons at like half a dozen locations around Western New York and touring with bands and stuff like that. And, and, um, I kind of hit like the glass ceiling in town where I played every club, everybody in town knows me. I played every major venue that there is. And, sorry. Pretty I'm sitting next to it, so it's extra loud. Um, <laughs> you probably hear the fire truck going by. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I played like all the major venues in town. One of the last places that I actually performed at before I moved to LA was the the baseball stadium there, you know, oh, wow. and uh, uh, I sidestepped. I, I tried New York City first, mm-hmm. and I moved there for a little bit. And because I figured, well, I really wanted to come to LA, but New York is closer. It's only eight hours away. I can still come home right. for holidays and visit family whenever I want. Yeah. Um, so I figured, well, that's closer to home. So let me go there and. Um, uh, it didn't quite work out. Like I just didn't, I didn't enjoy it there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw it as kind of a sidestep. So, okay. um, I moved back home for like a year, year and a half and just like took every tour I could get my hands on and saved up all that money and then came here. Nice. So, and yeah, it was basically just to further advance my career. Like I said, I kind of hit that ceiling in town where I literally can't go and I can't go past this while living here. I need to move into a bigger market in order to continue to progress. Right. Okay. So, you know, why not go to the biggest market? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Come to LA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's uh, wow. That's that's pretty cool. It's um, it's fantastic to hear that you know your your family is just so uh, intertwined with with drumming, um, and uh, and that you've been able to to make such a you know, successful you know run of it. Um, the when, when you came out to, to LA, um, you know what. What, what kind of gigs were you able to uh, to get? More touring, or was it just a continuation of that? Uh, or like studio and, uh, you know, yeah, I saw on your website too, you also do a lot of education. I, it's a big question, sorry. Yeah, no, that's it, all right. Um, when I first moved here, it was, there was already a band that I had been working with here. And okay. I had been flying from New York to LA to work with them anyway. Uh, so when I got here, it was like, all right, now I don't have to jump on a plane every time we want to play a gig. So I, I was able to continue working with them a little bit when I first got here and I just kind of tried to hit the pavement running Mm -hmm. and went out, uh, to meet people. I had a cousin living here at the time who was also a drummer. Uh, of course. Yeah. He had already been in LA for like 20 years at that point, I think. Um, And so he already had the ins and outs of 
of town. And so I used to go out with him a lot and stuff. And he, he introduced me to his friends and other musicians. And there was a other, there was a bunch of other handful of musicians out here that I already knew um, that I had known for a number of years already. And a lot of them kind of same thing. They, the, literally the day after I showed up in LA, I got a phone call from a very well-known, well-respected drummer who was a friend of mine who had been telling me to come out here anyway. Yeah. And I answered the phone and he's singing uh, Rolling Stones when I answered the phone. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And he's like, what are you doing tonight? I said, I I'm unpacking boxes. I just got here last night. And he goes, well, these are all the songs you could be playing tonight. Why don't you come sit in with my band? Oh, nice. I just, I said, okay. And I drive, I said, tell me where you're at. And I dropped everything and I drove uh, to this bar that he was playing at. And he was playing just covers that night, but everybody in the band was somebody. It was like, oh, that's Janet Jackson's guitar player. And that's, uh, nice. you know, Fleetwood Mac's uh, percussionist over there. And the, 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 the keyboard player played with Michael Jackson. Like everybody was somebody. And he's like, wow. oh yeah. The, you know, when we go up for our second set, go up and play a couple of the first songs. And I was like, are they going to be okay with this? So, um, so I did it. I got up and we played the Beatles and stuff like that, you know? Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and so I started connecting with local musicians and started um, putting things together that way. I, I landed a teaching gig um, about a month after I got here to a brand new music school that wasn't even open yet. No. So um, so once they opened up a couple of months later, uh, then I was able to start rebuilding my teaching practice. Um, Cause that was something I was doing in New York that I really genuinely enjoyed doing. Um, but moving here, I was starting over. So, you know, it was gradual and um, I had a lot of people recommending me, oh, if you want to talk, if you want to try and get auditions, talk to this guy, call that guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I had friends out here that were kind of trying to push me in, in the right directions. And about a year and a half after I moved here is when I landed like my first real gig on, you know, with a group that was on a major label and stuff like that. And then that opened doors. Once I had that credit on my resume, that mm -hmm. started opening up other doors, and the snowball's just been rolling downhill ever since. Right. So downhill in a good way. <laughs> downhill in a good way. No, the snowball's rolling, rolling downhill, getting larger and larger. And larger. <laughs> my, my footprint has been growing, and you know, I if it wasn't progressing in in the direction that I wanted it to I wouldn't yeah. still be here a decade later you know I would have left yeah. a long time ago but the advice I was always given was if you can make it two years here you'll be fine cool but you got to make it past the first two years yeah and like I said it was like a year and a half when I got the I landed the first real gig nice once I got, you know, and I was playing local bands that whole first year and a half, you know, just playing the club scene, playing the Sunset Strip and stuff like that. But it was all just independent, you know, garage band stuff. And then that first real gig with the, with the, like I said, the band who was on a major label, that was a, a year and a half into me being here. And, you know, I was like, okay, I, I did it in under two years. <laughs> yes. Good. So I think I'll be all right.
Nice. That uh, that's absolutely wonderful. The um, yeah. Normally, when you're uh, playing after the uh, the Nam gig, right? Uh, do you normally you know now do you uh, get up on stage all made up? No, uh, I I mean I do a fair amount of gigs where I am wearing makeup and stuff like that, but um, it's always specific to the gig kind of thing. I don't I don't go and do that for just because. Um, you know, that, that coffin case thing, I was all done up in, in face paint for it, but that's not, certainly not the first time I've had to do something like that. Um, and I think adopting that living dead drummer name has just only attracted more types of gigs like that. Yeah. So yeah. now I definitely wear makeup on stage, uh, you know, a good portion of the time. But it's always because that's what's necessary for that specific gig or that specific band or something like that. Right. You know, if it's not appropriate for it, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, uh, you know, uh, on your website, I, I saw that um, you had done some uh, some work with Shania Twain. So I'd imagine that would not be appropriate. <laughs> no, that would definitely not be appropriate. I'm not going to be wearing a bunch of makeup or eyeliner or anything if I'm playing country or blues or, right. you know, even most rock gigs and stuff like that, I wouldn't do it for. It's really just like, I, I want to be, I want to fit the look of the band I'm playing with on stage. If the band is all doing face paint, I'm going to do face paint. If they're not, I'm not. Yeah. So, That's, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh shoot! I had something, and then it uh, completely lost my mind. <laughs> it's it's one of those end of the day things. Like, oh my god, what's going on? I, it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah, and I, you know, it, we were talking about earlier about uh, you know COVID nineteen and all the quarantine stuff and and how everything is is canceled, and that kind of put a damper on on a lot of your your, your touring for the year. Um, you know, what's, uh, you know, how is, how is that uh, yeah, adapting to, to something like that? Well, yeah. So touring for the entire year is, is pretty much not going to happen. Um, you know, uh, some people I, I know are still holding out that maybe end of the year, November, December, we can hit the road, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, I, I had a bunch of stuff booked in the spring that is now all just, you know, airline credit. Uh, I Lots of credit too, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of, I got a lot of airline credit. I, got a, I can fly on, on quite a few different airlines for nothing at the moment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, with, with live music being shut down, mm -hmm. uh, there's not going to be probably any touring this year, which is, uh, it's a bummer. Cause I, I had things in place to make it a big year. Yeah. Um, I had just started working with two groups, literally like early March, like right before this happened Ooh. that both have albums coming out that were supposed to come out in the spring. Mm -hmm. And then their, their record labels were going to be like sticking us on a bus for the summer and fall and, and foreseeable future and when this happened it was like okay the labels decided not to release the albums 
they're holding on to it because they're like, well, like, there's no point putting it out if you can't go out on the road and push it. Sure. So that just put a big giant stop sign on everything. Now, ironically enough, those records are being released this month, both of them. Yeah. Uh, one is being released, I think, in like two days, and the other one's at the end of the month. And I, I think the labels just didn't want to sit on it anymore, and they're just like, now nah, we're just going to put this out, and then we'll stick you on the road next year. Yeah. So, but that was supposed to be like, you know, the summer was going to be spent between those two bands on the road. And I had some stuff already booked in the springtime for April and May. All of that went away. Yeah. Um, mm. And, yeah. Uh, you know, again, just before this all kind of happened, uh, I was in talks to do something else that could have possibly taken the entire summer through the end of December mm. and would have been a steady gig throughout, you know, the majority of the year. Again, plug got pulled on that. So um, I, I adapted really quick. Okay. And, and not everybody has, has done that. But um, I don't know. I, when this first happened, like mid-March, when they first shut everything down, mm-hmm. it was said, oh, only two weeks. And so I was kind of under the impression like, all right, two weeks. We, I, we can make this work for two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But something in my subconscious must have told me, like, it ain't going to be two weeks. No. <laughs> because yeah. instinctively, I went and started buying all kinds of uh, recording equipment. Oh, and it, it's stuff that I had already, it was all, like, in the shopping cart anyway. I just hadn't pulled the trigger on it because I didn't really have much of a use for it yet. Right. And, and for whatever reason, just, you know, that same week within days of everything closing, I was like, well, no better time. So I just started buying all this recording equipment that I intended on getting at some point and did a complete makeover and upgrade to my studio. Oh, cool. Um, I have a studio here in L.A. Uh, it's just a private room that I was mainly using as storage for my equipment and uh, just a place for me to practice, like just nice. daily, you know, woodshedding kind of stuff. Um, and I completely turned it into a fully functioning recording studio and lesson house kind of thing. Wow. Um, I just started buying all kinds of stuff and um, and just did this big upgrade. I took my my students that I was teaching in person shifted them to an online platform oh, great. Uh, and I have a setup with my entire drum kit is all mic'd and going through preamps and processors and stuff like that. And I have multiple webcams set up from different angles. So wow. when I'm doing the lesson, I'm like talking through a headset mic, the entire kit's mic, everything's already mixed so they can hear the drums clear, but my voice is louder. I have them coming through separate mixers. So if I need to hear them louder, I can turn them up down i can feed them audio if they want to see a side angle close up on my hands i just got to push a button if they want the overhead camera to see the whole kit i just push a button like nice. I, I completely overhauled everything with cool and then rigged all that stuff up to do full professional multi-track recording uh 
also. So that way I could uh, start offering remote recording sessions to people. Um, because prior to that, I've always just like, if I'm going to do a recording session for somebody, it's like, all right, well, I pack up the kit and drive to a studio. Right. And now I don't have to do that. Now it's just like, all right, give me 10 minutes and let me turn the lights on. Nice. And so, cool. um, so now I, I can do all of that from, from home on my own and just had to give myself, you know, I was sort of okay with um, recording software and stuff like that, but I never really went deep in on it because I didn't have to. So I just had to give myself like a crash course in audio engineering and, and get myself up and on my feet like that. And thankfully, uh, I guess the, the product I'm turning out of the studio, people are okay with because I keep getting more in. So I've probably played on more records in the last three months than I have in the last two years. <laughs> oh, excellent. That's fantastic. Yeah. Is, yeah, uh, is there any, like, records, anything uh, coming out that you can uh, name? Or, or uh, um, you mentioned the, the two bands that you were supposed to tour with where the albums are coming out pretty soon. Yeah, um, so I can name names of most of the stuff. Um, some of it I can't because I just might not remember. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> because it's like, wait, what was that guy's name? What was that one song for? But then there's other stuff too where it's like, all right, it's not released yet or whatever. So um, I, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. So the albums that are coming out this month, um, one is, and these originally, like I wasn't supposed to say anything, but they, they said it first. Oh, and okay. I, you know, and once they, the once they said it, I was like, okay, I think this is all right now. Right. So, right. um, uh, Michael Grant, uh, who's a guitar player, uh, used to play in LA Guns and stuff like that. He's um, got a solo record coming out. Uh, I think it's in two days. I think it's this Friday. Uh, it comes. Um, his album is Michael Grant and the Assassins. That's his solo project. Um, I'm not on the album. I uh, the album was already done and recorded uh, prior to my involvement. Um, but we we jam. We've been talking about jamming together for a long time. I've played a bunch of shows where I'm playing in one band and we were playing with LA guns and he was the guitar player at the time. So we um, met that way and just kind of stayed in touch and stayed in contact and stuff. And, and we'd always talked about doing something. And so he called me up early this year and was like, Hey, the album's coming out in the spring uh, and then we're going to be touring and stuff. You want to come in? jam so i learned a bunch of the songs we jammed together and he's like all right great cool we'll set up a photo shoot in two weeks and then lockdown <laughs> um so right so his album got pushed but it's coming out i think this friday he's already got one single out uh with a music video that came out about a month ago which is on youtube yeah. and stuff um so you know that was one of the tours i was supposed to do and and will probably be doing once the world opens back up uh at the end of this month a industrial band named uh dk zero okay their album is coming out i believe it's on july 31st that's okay. another one that you know the week before everything went to yeah. hell um 
I went and filmed a music video with them. Oh, nice. We, were, we got introduced through a mutual friend. He, you know, a guy hit me up at, at Davy Suicide. He's big in like the, the goth rock scene and stuff. Yeah. He hit me up. He, he hit me up and he's like, hey, man, this band is looking for a new drummer. And I had already heard of them. Yeah. Uh, and we had played some festivals together, actually. Oh, and so he put us in touch. And the funny thing was, they were like, yeah, we know who you are. We've seen you play, but we didn't call you ahead of time because we thought you lived overseas because they, the band they saw me playing with is a band from Europe that I, oh, that okay. I worked for. And I was like, no, they're, they live there. I live here. Um, <laughs> so uh, so they, they hit me up in March and were like, we're shooting this music video. Do you want to be in it? Like, sure. So I went and shot their video. Uh, that video just came out last week. Oh, nice. And then uh, their album comes out at the end of this month on Cleopatra Records. Oh, cool. And then, you know, hope end of the year, but probably mostly next year, um, I'll be touring with them as their live drummer. Awesome. Um, so those are the albums that are coming out right now. There's a bunch of stuff that I've done that hasn't been released yet. I've done a lot of singles for um, independent artists, uh, some of them here in LA, some of them in other states. Um, uh, I just wrapped drums on a new record with um, The Rhythm Coffin, which is a band that I've been playing for for the last three or four years here in LA. Um, and they're a horror themed band. Uh, but it's really like, yeah, it, a lot of makeup. Uh, but it's really <laughs> kind of horror where it's like I describe it as like Kiss meets the B-52s oh, so yeah, all their music is super upbeat super fun very reminiscent of B-52s because it's like a male singer two female singers kind of thing that same dynamic um, but all the songs are like about werewolves and zombies and, and stuff okay. like that it's all very tongue-in-cheek humor like we could easily play a horror festival just as well as we could play a 10 year old's birthday party. Oh, that that's pretty fun. Wow. Right. That's so great. we, we decided, you know, well, we can't play right now. We can't, we had to postpone everything. So what can we do to stay active? Well, right. let's record a new album. So, um, I just finished the drums on that last week. I think they have the guitars done and most of the vocals done already too. So hopefully that will be coming out in the fall. Oh my gosh, um, awesome. I'm in the middle of doing a record with a band called Flake. They're, um, they're kind of a early 2000s new metal sort of sounding band. Okay. And they, they've been around since then. Um, I haven't been in the band that long. I've only been in the band uh, maybe about five years. But um, the, their whole plan was to release a double album that was going to consist of half of it was going to be brand new material. Mm -hmm. And the other half was going to be some of their older material from before I was around, but okay. done uh, as like kind of MTV unplugged acoustic versions. Oh, neat. That's and we cool. did a couple years ago, we did spend a few months playing around town um, playing all their songs acoustic mm -hmm. and it was a lot of fun and because we didn't change certain things we didn't change the drumming like I was still expected to go out on stage and just hit as hard as I usually do yeah and 
They didn't change the vocal style, so it's still very aggressive, a lot of screaming and stuff. The only thing they changed was they put acoustic guitars in their hands instead of plugged in ones. That's the only thing. And it sounds, that oh my God, it sounded crazy. so cool. Yeah. Oh, so they were like, well, screw it. Let's go back through a handful of songs yeah. from our old catalog that sound the best in an acoustic setting and let's do acoustic versions and we'll release a double album. So we did the first half of it last October. We went to a studio and I did the drums on all the new material. And then the shutdown happens and they live in different areas too. One guy is like way down deep in Orange County. Uh, mm -hmm. The singer, he lives in South Carolina. So um, yeah. yeah, so we would just have to get on a plane anytime we we're gonna play shows. We were supposed to play House of Blues in Vegas like in the spring and had to cancel it. Yeah. But the decision came in of like, all right, well, we're halfway done with a record. <laughs> what do we do? I got an idea. Let's finish it. That's right. So, um, <laughs> so I've been working on that. I think I have two more, two, maybe three more songs to do on that one. Um, on the acoustic stuff, all the, all the new materials done, the acoustic stuff, we're about halfway through. So once I wrap the drums on that, then that's going to get all shipped off to um, the engineer who we were and producers we were working with on the new material, and they're going to do all the mixing and stuff like that. So that'll probably come out next year. Cool. Um, uh, that's wonderful. You have no shortage of no projects to do while everything shut down. Uh, th yeah, the touring stuff might might be unfortunate, but. But man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Creativity just does not cease. It, no, it's it's. I've been very lucky. I, I really like. I'm I'm trying not to take any of it for granted. I've been very 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 lucky. Um, you know, I think I just got on at the right time with like, okay, we're not going to be able to go play live. What as a musician can we do? Well, we can record material. That's so. Right. I've been working on a country album with a friend of mine up in Canada. Wow. I've been, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, awesome. that's stuff cool. That's like real outlaw country stuff too. It's Ooh, awesome. Neat. Um, and uh, I've done a handful of singles for, for independent artists and stuff like that. Um, some of them, I just got another email this morning from a producer that I did one project with um, a couple of weeks ago, another one of his clients, hit me up and said, hey, I've got a single I'm working on. I need some drums kind of thing. Cool. So I've been fortunate. My my schedule has been pretty full. I've never not had something to work on, which is nice. And, and I just keep cranking out drum tracks for various people all over the place. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, earlier, you mentioned uh, that... Uh, you know, you grew up on, on horror movies and stuff. What, uh, what were you really, uh, like a fan of? What, what was, uh, you know, part of that, um, um, you know, that, uh, you know, that meal of, uh, horror movies? I think when I was younger, um, I was big into like the slasher stuff. Oh, okay. But, you know, the, the, the staples though, like yes. Halloween, Friday the 13th, um nightmare on elm street stuff like that yeah you know um i kind of revere halloween as like the definitive 
godfather of all slasher type movies. Um, Jason movies are always just so much fun. The Nightmare on Elm Street movies have a really special place in my heart because when I was a kid, I actually lived on Elm Street. Oh. Um, and and <laughs> I lived there at the time that the original movie was produced, too. Ooh, so it was kind of neat, you know, being that in the early 80s, living on Elm Street and that movie, A Nightmare on Elm Street, comes out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? um, so Freddy's got a real special place in my heart. Um, so 80s slasher stuff was always really big with me. The, the horror franchise stuff, I really, really love the Hellraiser movies. And, um, and that I'm not one of the people that's like, oh, I like the original, but all the sequels suck. It's like, no, I, will, I own the box sets, and I have the entire collection, and I will watch any one of them at any given point. Nice. Some I like better than others, but I don't think any of them are like, don't watch that one, skip that one. I'll watch them all. Right. Um, that's what I think I started with when I was younger and what I really, really liked. And I still love that stuff. But as I got older, I had a greater appreciation for some of the classics. It, I kind of, I kind of went, started and went backwards. So if the slasher stuff was big when I was a kid, then I, from there I started drifting into like the hammer stuff. Oh, right. And from there took a step back into like the classic universal stuff. Wow, that's in, that's an that's an interesting uh, little circle you, you did. Yeah, so like I did a backwards progression. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so I'm a really really now it, to this point I'm a really really big fan of Universal horror. Nice. And again, own like the box sets of like every Dracula, every Frankenstein, every Wolfman kind of thing, and it's yeah. just you know the old black and white ones are probably my favorite. That's that's cool. I think the the last ones uh, of that uh, I think I watched was uh, Abbott and Costello uh, meet Frankenstein, and the I I think the Wolfman was in that one too. I think I own like two copies of that for some reason. Too. Oh wow, that's cool. I, I just I keep getting <laughs> yeah, I keep getting these like collectors box sets of the old Universal stuff, and a lot of them include the same features. So, yeah. like, I have three copies of Dracula for some reason. Oh. I have, like... The original you know, Legosi Dracula. Yeah, yeah. I have oh. that. I have, I, have, I have it on DVD, and then I have, like, a collector's box set DVD that has a bunch of behind-the-scenes documentaries mm -hmm. and a bunch of bonus stuff, like Abbott and Costello meet, you know, Frankenstein and stuff like that. And then I have the Blu-ray version, which has all the same stuff on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I one day I'm just looking through my DVD rack and I'm like, why do I own three copies of this one's not even open? What, where did I get this from? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, uh, in fact, uh, today, a teaser trailer of the new Halloween uh, movie just dropped. I saw, I didn't watch it yet, but I did see it. I don't know. I, you know, like I said, God, Godfather of all slasher horrors, Halloween. Right. I didn't enjoy the new one as much as everybody else did. No, that's 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 understandable. I thought it was it was good, but you know, it um, it wasn't bad by any means. I've watched it more than once. Like I saw it in the theater with friends right. when it first came out. I enjoyed it. I've watched it again on like HBO or whatever, and um, but the it didn't do anything first of all 
nothing new. I didn't, I didn't like the retcon. Okay. I, I really, really, really dislike that. I like a continuation. If you're going to make it 10 sequels, I like a continuation. Right. And that's where, that's where uh, like the uh, Child's Play franchise really hit the nail on the head is that even the late movies that only came out in the last couple of years that were like direct to Netflix, right. all of them kept really close continuity with one another and they all referenced the previous movies. So if you watch the newest one, which was like the sixth one, not the remake, right. the newest, uh, it, it referenced every single child's play movie that had ever happened before that and and acknowledged that all of the events of those movies happened they've redone halloween four times true yeah and yeah you've got the the rob zombie movies you've got the this new batch um god what, what, what i can't remember was was h2o that was a retcon too so they did yeah. They did one, like, this, I'm super nerding out on it. So the, the continuity went yeah. like one, two, four, five, and six. Okay. Then they started over with H2O. So then it went one, two, H2O, Resurrection. And I will say Resurrection sucked, and I won't watch that one. Um, then they cut it off there, and Rob Zombie did two. Right. And the first one, okay, but he took away the mystique of, Michael right. Myers by giving him a backstory as like just a kid from a broken home, which yeah, who wouldn't grow up to be a serial killer in that situation? True. Um, and then the sequel to that, I saw once I half paid attention to it. it. It couldn't hold my attention. So then they started over again and with the new one where it went one, two, then the new one. And it was like, or no, it did. It ignored you. It went one, then the new one. And that's what I didn't like at all was like, why are you ignoring all the sequels for the second time? Yeah. Like, why are you trying to go back and erase history? It happened. Deal right. with it. You right. might not like it, but it still happened. And the idea is to evolve from that, not pretend it didn't exist. Right. Well, I liked all the sequels. I liked four sure. or five. I will go back and rewatch four, five, and six. I like those. I liked H2O. I, although it's, if you watch it now, it's very dated. It's right. like very typical, like mid '90s slasher movie. Do you, do you find that those hold up for you? Even the four, five, and six do. Yeah. H2O, like I said, it's real dated. I still enjoy it, but it's real dated. Um. But even that ignored the previous three sequels. And it's like, stop ignoring it. They haven't. Stop. Right. And right. the newest one, taking away the fact that they're related, that was like the one thing that glued them all together, at least in the previous ones. Now they're saying they're not related. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. That was, yeah. that was such a great plot twist. That was such great motivation for Michael Myers to keep coming back. Now you've taken his motivation away. And the new one just did the greatest hits of all the previous sequels. Every major scene in that movie was like, that's from part four. Oh, that's interesting. Part six. About that. That's from H2O. That's from part five. Every single scene. Wow. Was just, was just blatantly ripping off scenes from the other movies. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, what, what, yeah, what did you think about uh, like uh, Halloween three? Because yeah, in my mind, like you've done all this, all these films with Michael Myers. You know, whether you're continuations, <laughs> continuing the the story, retconning the story, or, or completely reinventing it uh, and trying to start something new, but like with with uh, Halloween three, it's just like wow, this could be its own little like an anthology series that exists in the same world as Michael Myers. And, and I, that was the original idea, was to start doing anthologies right. and stuff. And I think if they would have done that right away with Halloween 2 and not done a sequel and done started a brand new thing there, I think it would have probably worked better. But yeah. because you did an immediate sequel to the first one and then tried to do an anthology on the third one, I think that's what threw everybody for a loop to yeah. discard that movie and for them to go back to the well in the fourth one. I don't mind Halloween 3. Uh, admittedly, I've only seen it a handful of times, but I I don't dislike it at all. Um, you know, I think I need to, to watch it. I watched it last year, mm -hmm. and I think I need to re-watch it again. Yeah. So they're doing a showing of it at a, coming up at a, there's a, there's a little art gallery. Get this. Oh, little, cool. There's a house that's converted into a horror themed art gallery oh, next cool. door to the Myers house, to the actual house, My, Michael Myers actual house from the original Halloween movie is now like a chiropractor's office in Pasadena. And okay. the house next door is a horror themed art gallery. Oh my and, God. Um, they do all kinds of different events and stuff like that throughout the year. And for the summer, because, you know, art galleries and stuff have been closed, um, once things started to reopen, they started doing like these little backyard um, movie screenings and they got a projector back there and a drop down screen. It's real small. Um, yeah. I went for the 4th of July weekend. They played Jaws. Oh, cool. And, you know, they only allowed 15 people in. And, you That's know, so that way everyone can could have a picnic and sit on a blanket with bring some drinks and food and stuff and sit six feet apart from one another. So they only allow 15 people in. Um, and they, they, we, I went and saw Jaws for the 4th of July because that's my 4th of July movie. And then I think coming up, and I'm not sure when, but I know coming up in the next couple of weeks, they're going to play Halloween three. That, that's, so I want to go to that so I can yeah, watch it. That sounds fantastic. Especially being able to like sit there, and watch it with with a, an audience that you can you know interact with. Um, I think that and a like-minded audience—they're all there for the same reason. They're all there because they love that movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? Oh, uh, like last last year, I think last November. You know, we've got uh, out here at the the C Center, uh, just uh, on Colfax, outside downtown Denver. Um, we've a friend of mine. Uh, Actually, yeah, Scream Scream. It's a whole, uh, yeah, it's a whole uh, oh. curated uh, film series. There, it's not necessarily just horror; it's, it's genre films. Uh, but uh, they brought out uh, Felissa Rose from uh, Sleepaway Camp. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that as a kid. You know, like in my teens, not really thinking that much of it. And then, you know, but seeing it on the big screen. With with a crowd, it, it's just such a such a much more uh, engaging and enticing uh, experience too. It's so much better. They do yeah. in the summertime here. Like not this summer, but in the summertime here, 
they do uh, movies every Saturday night at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, you go and you kind of tailgate the event. You go early afternoon. You sit out on the front lawn. In lo yeah, they have like the line set up. You sit out on the front lawn, bring, bring some lawn chairs and a picnic. And, you know, usually go get a pizza from the place down the street and a cooler full of beers or whatever. Yeah. And then they let everybody in once it starts getting closer to dark and you go through the cemetery and they have this big area set up, this big lawn area set up and on the, they project movies on the side of the building. And oh, you sit there in this massive audience and watch whatever movie. And they do all kinds of stuff too. I've, uh, last summer I went and saw Beetlejuice. Oh, that's fun. I've seen Spinal Tap there. No. Uh, I went to the, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, it was the 20th anniversary of The Fifth Element. And, and went to the 20th anniversary showing, and they brought out the director, Mila uh, Jovovich, and Chris oh. Tucker. Wow. Oh, so they, they yeah. brought out the stars and the director of the movie to come do a little introduction for it ahead of time. And then these people just like just sit down and watch it with you and stuff like that. Like everyone's there to see the same movies and, and to have a good time. And they usually do. Uh, there's one little area they set up for photo ops and they'll have some uh, cool backdrops and stuff like that oh, that cool. tie into the movie. Um, they had some cool ones set up for Beetlejuice so you can get your photo taken. They have a DJ playing music as everyone kind of comes in. And then again, afterwards, as everyone's kind of leaving at, the, at night. And they do, I think there's one weekend during the summer where they do like an overnight party where they play like three movies in a row. Nice. So you're there pretty much all night. <laughs> and, uh, uh, one year they did it where it was like all, it was like three vampire movies or something like that. Oh, that's and it was cool. like, yeah, it was like, yeah. um, I forget what the movies were. If it was like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the Lost Boys and, cool. you know, The Hunger or something ridiculous. I don't remember Bill what it was. Bill Schumacher just passed away, too. I, right, yeah, just last week. Um, so they, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery does really cool stuff like that all summer long. That's cool. Yeah, the, the Fairmount Cemetery, uh, just uh, over there, just bordering on uh, Stapleton, uh, they used to do that as well. I think just before they, they did uh, this big renovation. Um, so my girlfriend would take her niece and, you know, she was, she was all goth and, and, uh, you know, I think they might've, uh, I, I know they played a lot of Tim Burton movies and then uh, I think they might've played like return of the living dead a little bit on the nose, but very appropriate. Still cool. <laughs> yeah. Still cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's pretty cool. You're going to have to, um, give me, uh, the information for the, the horror themed, uh, gallery because, I, don't, I think that's one thing that we might be missing here in Denver. Yeah, and it's super cool. And it's it, like, so it's a converted house where like, you know, the bedrooms are set up almost as like photo displays. Like one bedroom is all dedicated to Halloween and they have like a mannequin with the sheet over them and the glasses kind of thing yeah. and the Jupiter right. fire tombstone. And then all the framed pictures on the walls are like, you know, stills from the film and production and stuff like that. And then the, the main like gallery thing is would be converted, whatever like the living room slash dining room kind of area would be. Mm -hmm. And um, they'll do themes. So right now it's Stephen King themed. Oh, cool. So all of the art in there is Stephen King inspired. 
And it's like a regular art gallery where it's independent artists from, from the area. They bring a piece in kind of thing. It goes up on the wall and then you can buy it if you want. You know, everything's got a price tag on it. Um, they've done some cool stuff. They did something last summer where they, I forget what the, the theme was. It might have been Halloween or something like that. And they had a Michael Myers cosplayer there taking photos with people. And out in the backyard area, um, they had vendors and stuff like that for a weekend. And they had this, you know, kind of outdoor flea market thing going on in the backyard for two days. And, like, really cool stuff. It's called Sugar Mint Gallery. Nice. And it's spelled M-Y-N-T, Sugar Mint that way. Um, But, yeah, it's literally next door to the Myers house. And, actually, like, all the houses Mm – in that neighborhood were like all the original filming locations from Halloween. So like two blocks south of there, it's Laurie Strode's house, a couple houses, a couple oh, streets cool. over there is the the shrubs that they walked by that they saw Michael Myers hiding behind. And then I just found it a block up the street on the same road. Yeah. It's one of the filming locations for what we do in the shadows. Oh, love! I love that movie. I love it's, the series. It's the amazing. exterior wide-angle shots of their house are this one house on a corner, a block up from the Myers house. Oh my God! That's I so didn't know that until the other day, and I was like, "Oh my God!" Because I love that show too. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Uh, yeah, Nick. Yeah, uh, you know, with your enthusiasm for for horror films, you know, have you ever worked on like a, a musical score for uh, you know? Yeah, uh, a, a film or a project like that? Um, not, not exactly. I've had, you know, I've been on songs. I've played drums on songs that have been included in a movie mm-hmm. kind of thing. There, um, years ago, I was like in this punk band that, that um, we got hired by a film company to specifically write and record a song for the movie. And they paid for us to shoot a music video and we shot the video in like a haunted theme park kind of thing. Like one of those pop-up haunts that happens. Well, there was one in town that was, it was there all year. It was closed, Mm -hmm. but it was still in the same location. So they, they rented the place out. We filmed the music video in there. They used our, they sent us a DVD and they paid for everything. They paid the recording studio and everything. They sent us a DVD of, the music video and also they placed our song as the opening credits to this horror movie Sweet. um so they sent us a, on the dvd was also the opening credits to the movie with our song we were so excited then they asked us to play at the premiere oh, and cool. they did the premiere in this old abandoned train station that was one of their filming locations and stuff like that and we played the premiere and then we sat and watched the movie and the movie was trash it was <laughs> oh, it was so bad. It was, we were so embarrassed and we, they were doing like a double showing and we were supposed to play like three songs, including the song from the movie beforehand. And then during the intermission before the second showing. Oh. And as soon as we got done with that intermission performance, I grabbed my drum tech and I was like, pack, pack up. We're getting out of here. We are not staying oh. for the second showing. This is embarrassing. Oh. Um, it was so bad, and um, uh, I've done a couple things like that where it's like a song that's been included in something. Uh, the only thing that I've specifically scored myself was um, a TV commercial for the New York Film Academy. Oh, cool. Um, they, they wanted a, a, 
percussion heavy score for this little like one minute commercial or it probably wasn't even a minute long kind of thing yeah. and but they wanted the entire soundtrack for that commercial to be um percussion so um i've done that but i've never I'm trying to think uh i don't think i've ever specifically done something involving uh, a horror movie directly like that outside of like a song placement thing i'm, I'm not much of a songwriter myself i i don't i i don't really ever sit down with pen and paper and write or compose music at all mm -hmm. mostly i'm just playing drums for somebody else's composition okay um i'm not opposed to it yeah. uh it's just not something i put much effort into and and you know i'm not a very talented guitar player so it's it's hard for me to sit down with a guitar and come up with something on my own. If I'm going to sit with a guitar, most of the time I'm just like playing generic blues chords or power chords or something like that and just trying to not suck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that feeling. You know, whenever uh, I, th I think I'm going to, yeah, I've got a musical inspiration. So it's like, oh, yeah, I can't play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of it. You know, I like some of the early bands I was in when I was younger and stuff like that, I, I contributed with um, some of the songwriting. I'd write some of the lyrics and stuff like that. Um, I just kind of drifted away from that in, in lieu of more creative people doing it mm. where, you know, I can, if I hear something, I can give a suggestion. You know, if I'm, if I'm in a room with other musicians and they're working a part out and, and I, I hear something in my head, I can say, hey, try this. Or, you know what, um, uh, what would happen if you played F minor there instead? Like, I have enough knowledge to be able to do that kind of thing, mm -hmm. but I'm certainly not gonna sit down behind the piano and compose anything. You know, I, I think there's more talented people that are better equipped for that. And those people can then turn around and present it to me and I can say, okay, here's what you want to do with the drums now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, that's, that's part of the, the creative collaboration, you know, yeah. Working with each other, you know, uh, as a sounding board, so to speak. And yeah, uh, you know, really, you know, coming up with this, uh, you know, fantastic composition and it's not unlike filmmaking or, or any other really, uh, you know, creative, uh, you know, platform. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm not opposed to throwing my two cents in there when, when it's welcome. Yeah. But outside of that, I'm not calling up any bands saying, hey, guys, I wrote a song, you know? <laughs> It'll be like Ringo, and they'll be like, we're going to put this on the refrigerator. <laughs> right on the fridge, right? <laughs> this is going right on the fridge. You did. Good, good there. Good. Yeah, isn't that cute? The drummer wrote a song. That's great. Oh. <laughs> Poor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, Nick, uh, we're just about out of time, but is there uh, anything else that uh, you wanted to talk about and plug? Uh, you know, where, where can people find you? Um, well, uh, all manner of social media and, and you know, internet everything. Uh, if you look up Living Dead Drummer, you're going to find me. Um, I guarantee there's nobody else with that because if there is they'd have a call from my lawyers 
Um, <laughs> uh, so I have a website, livingdeaddrummer.com. Obviously, you can get in touch with me through there. Um, there's a direct email link. It goes right to me. Um, and uh, aside from the, the regular.com website, you know, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. Again, Living Dead Drummer. Just got to look that up, and you're going to find me. Cool. So, they, yeah, I, I'm very, very easy to uh, to hunt down and, and easily accessible. So nice. Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, Nick. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, spending your afternoon with us and, and uh, you know chatting about uh, all the fun things that you're doing. Thank you very much for having me, man. This was this was a blast. I I enjoyed it a lot. It was a great chat. I I have like one question for you though because okay. I've been the whole time we've been talking like. I'm trying to figure out what is this art stuff you have oh. going on in the background behind you? Cause so it I, looks like human skin. And I just <laughs> wanted to make sure you didn't have a bunch of lampshades made out of people back there. I mean, it is uh, right, a right, right. festival. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a horror festival. So I've been building uh, my backdrop and it's just, uh, you know, cast skulls. With, uh, so it is faces. Okay, I couldn't quite tell. Some of them looked like it, but I'm like, ah, it's also. It could it be like an inkblot thing where I'm just picturing what I want to in it? Am I the messed up one picturing no, faces? No, no, no. You're 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 not you're not messed. Yeah, you're not messed up. Yeah, you're messed up. You're so messed. Yeah. Up. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> but it's just latex cast. Uh, you know, skulls. It's got our uh, little Colorado state flag insignia on them. But uh, yeah, the fun thing is, is when you light it up, you know, yeah, it's got that creepy illumination. Yeah, no, it looks so cool. I just, I've been honestly, not that I've not been paying attention, but I have been trying to figure out what that is behind you the whole time. And I'm like, <laughs> it looks like skin. Yeah. Um, it uh, looks like lampshades made out of skin. Yeah, uh, my other shoulder, I've got Gorgo, uh, big mural that I painted. And then, uh, yeah, these guys are, are a lot of fun. Just, uh, oh, that's super cool. Yeah, so, you know, the key is just don't paint it. Just hang it up like that. It looks it, like flesh. I've, I've built hold, um, like, um, uh, pinball, uh, you know, tournaments that are haunted houses. And, and the walls would be just sheets of latex like this. Just what big, you know, four by eight sheets. Just hanging, oh like you know, it looks like we skinned somebody massive. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's just it's just taking you know, casting latex and, and rolling it out on on a big you know flat surface and then peeling it off and you know, and the more ripped and, and thin it is, the more translucent light flow, flows through. Yeah. So that's so, so that's for the festival in September then. Um. Yeah. Well, and and because of COVID. We postponed till next year. So, oh. so now this this gets to be my uh, my studio backdrop, and uh, all our content will be going out online, uh, much in a similar format like this. Uh, we're talking to Scream Screen about uh, doing some some more uh, stuff, hopefully online with film and, and all that. But uh, but yeah, yeah, we're we're always open. You know, if you want to perform on live. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you maybe figure something out, do a, do a DJ set or something, you know, as a drummer, I, again, I, it's a little difficult to do a solo performance. I'm not picking up a guitar and singing anytime soon, but 
sure, I'm sure we can figure something out. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it'd, uh, it'd be fun. Not unlike, uh, you know, your, your uh, Fugazi, uh, you know, cover, you know, where you got uh, all the band members uh, playing. I mean, That's right. I've done a couple of those with different musicians. Some of them, like, I've never even met from other states and stuff, too, where we record the parts kind of just like being in a recording studio and just send them to each other. Right. And, you know, someone who can edit it all together with their, you know, video editing software and stuff makes it look like we're all together or all, you know, on the yeah. Zoom call or something like that. Yeah, I've done a, I've done a bunch of those. They've been fun. That's cool. That's cool. Well, uh, yeah, Nick, let me know if you, you know, you want a few of these. <laughs> that, I, you know, might be kind of cool to hang in my studio and, and have up in the background. So when people are calling in and they're seeing me behind the drums, they'll be like, what is that behind your drum set? <laughs> oh, this is my other pastime. Right. You know, yeah. To the lambs. You know, playing the drums and doing taxidermy. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a thing. You know, it's 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 pretty endearing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. oh, that's wonderful. Well, uh, thanks again, Nick. Uh, you know, we'll we'll have to have you on again pretty soon. I I would love it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Cool. Well, uh, have a good one, everybody out there in uh, you know the internet uh, land. Uh, you know, you guys have a, a great day and, and uh, look out for each other. Uh, thanks so much, Nick, again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.